0: This episode of the Open GuardCast is brought to you by the Arizona Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu League. The AZBJJL is the premier tournament organization in Arizona for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Their next tournament is the 2021 Southwest Classic on October 16th and 17th. To get signed up for this tournament, head to azbjjl.com. Hope to see you there. What's up, everyone? Super excited for this episode of the Open GuardCast. We have Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. Academy owner Josh Gehrer with us today. So Josh, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to, hear, happy to be here. Thanks, Danny. For sure. Um, so why don't you just start talking about how you got started in Jiu-Jitsu?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I actually uh, I got started, I was 10, 10 11 years old. Um, I, was, I was an overweight kid, and uh, I was being bullied in school because of my weight. Um, you know, nothing physical, but just, you know, verbally uh, by a lot of kids in, um, in class. And it just, it really hit me that I wanted to lose weight. And I wanted to learn how to defend myself in case, you know, the bullying increased, you know, like, I've always been yeah. a um, a big person, you know, like, I'm, I'm a tall, I'm a tall guy. But, you know, when I was, you know, 10, 11 years old, I just really out of shape. I did Know anything about, you know, diet or nutrition. And uh, um, yeah, it caused me to uh, be pretty heavy. And so I started looking around. Like I just started doing research on, uh, you know, gyms in the valley um, close to my home. And um, at the same time, I had an uncle who was like super into UFC. And so I wanted to go into like a fitness gym to like work out. And my uncle uh, had me watch like a UFC. And I just, like, fell in love, you know, watching these two guys just try and kill each other. You know, I was like, I want to learn how to do that. Like, those guys are shredded. They're, you know, <laughs> they're in great shape. Like, I want to look like that and learn some cool stuff at the same time. So, you know, when, when I, I found a gym, I actually went in for MMA. Uh, it wasn't for jiu-jitsu. Um, but I did my first class, um, and I remember asking the instructor – Uh, like, Hey, when do we do like the, the striking, you know, like when are we going to like punch and kick and all that, you know? And he was like, he's like, what are you talking about? And I was (laughs) like, well, this is an MMA class, isn't it? And he goes, he goes, yeah, uh, it's MMA because we're doing jujitsu and judo. And I was like, Oh man. And I like, I didn't care. Like I had loved the class, but I was just like, you know, I'm a young kid curious about when we're going to, you know, start fighting each other
0: start throwing hands.
1: Uh, yeah, start throwing hands, you know, (laughs) but, uh, um, yeah, I did my first class and like, immediately I just like got hooked. Um, like, and by the end of that, like first week of training, um, like I had, I told my parents, I was like, you know, please sign me up. And I was like, this, this is what I want to do with my life. Like, this is, this is what I want to teach jujitsu. I want to make a living from jujitsu one day. Like I want to be a professional athlete doing jiu-jitsu. And this was like, I'm, man, I'm talking like five, probably five total days training, you know, and I was already like, this is what I want to do. Um, and then it just kind of stuck from there, you know?
0: That's awesome. It's so interesting talking to different people on the podcast because some people, they get into jiu-jitsu, they're like, this is awkward. I don't know what's going on. I don't really like this. And then they just fall in love with it as they stick with it. But it's yeah, interesting yeah. because you pretty much fell in love with it from day one. Yeah,
1: yeah. I knew... Like, um, it was also like a weird situation because like, since I was so big, I was too big to be in the kids class, but I was the smallest person in the adult class. And so I'm just like this kid getting ragdolled by all these adults. And like, it was a really small gym. So like anytime a new person came in, like the rest of the white belts and there was like, at the time there was a handful of white belts and like we had two blue belts in the gym, you know? And so, like, to everyone else, I was just, like, the fresh meat. And so I'm getting ragdolled everywhere. But I was like,
0: this is awesome. I love it, you know? That's so cool. So, so at what point did you start to realize that there was, like, a competition scene in jiu-jitsu and it was something that, that you could compete in? I know you said you wanted to make a living from it early on. But did you know pretty much the depths of, like, competition scene in jiu-jitsu? No, I had no idea
1: what, uh, what competitions were like. I had no idea... Um, really about much of it. I just knew like, oh, my instructor doesn't have another job. Uh, He basically just gets paid to teach jiu-jitsu all day. Like, that's life right there, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. I want to do that. Um, And then within my first month of training, um, I think, you know, uh, Gustavo was putting on the first – like Arizona, either the first Arizona open or the first like Southwest classic, uh, championships down in Mesa at like the Westwood high school. And, uh, I remember asking my coach, um, I was like, literally, I just finished a month of training and I was like, Hey, like, what do you think? Can I do that? Can I do that tournament? (laughs) I was like, what is competing about? Like, we weren't really like a competition school. Like, you know, uh, we were, like I said, we were a really small gym. Um, and he was like, yeah, why not dude? Like, let's, let's do it. And like, I, I guess like I should almost backtrack too. like when I started training, like the gym was real small. And like my, my instructor was a very like traditional, like Gracie Jitsu instructor. And so like, we never started our rounds on the feet. Like we always started on our knees. And so I remember like, When I, and even like, as we like prep for tournaments and stuff, like nothing changed. We kept doing our techniques. We rolled starting on our knees. I showed up the day of the tournament. And like, I remember asking my coach, I was like, Hey, I was like, are they, like, are they wrong? Like everyone's standing on their feet here, you know? And he's like, no, that's how jiu-jitsu matches start. I'm like, nobody told me like, Oh, so I was waiting for the guy to get
0: on his knees and start. Yeah. I'm
1: I'm I'm waiting to, you know, when are these matches going to start on their knees and you know, um, yeah. I was, uh, in for a rude awakening there because I showed up, uh, just, you know, hungry to, to fight and compete. And, you know, I was, uh, I was a cocky kid now. Like I had lost, I had lost a lot of, i had already lost a lot of weight. Um, I, I felt like I was moving good. Like I wasn't beating anybody in the gym, but I was like, Oh, I'm fighting adults all the time. Like surely fighting another person, my age will be no problem man, I must've lost, like, it was like over 30 points to zero. Um, yeah, I got schooled so bad and I was really upset that I lost, but I remember just being like, I can't wait to do it again. Like I want to fight again. I want to fight again. I kept asking my coach, like, when's the next tournament? And, uh, when can I fight again? When, When can I do it again? And so, um, from there on, like every month, I just, tr- every month that there was a tournament, I tried to sign up for like locally. Uh, and I kept losing, you know, like month after month. Like, I think I probably went close to a year without winning a match, like not even winning, not just w- not winning a tournament, like not even winning a single match in Jitsu. That's crazy. Uh, How old were you
0: when you, during that first competition? Uh,
1: uh probably is like, Uh, 10, 11 years old, around there.
0: That's crazy. That's crazy. The cool thing is how much enthusiasm you had, even though you were taking a bunch of losses, you still wanted to sign up and compete every month. So was that something that, was that just kind of natural, or was there something that maybe your coach kind of helped you with that, or was it all internal? um,
1: I think it's just like a drive that I've had. Like I've always really wanted to, like when I started, I knew, I think it kind of comes from that, like that part of me that was being bullied. I wanted so hard to be a fierce person and, and prove everybody wrong. Everybody who bullied me and, and, uh, um, I, I don't know. It's like, it, it was more of, of, a, a situation in my head where I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm losing, but. I'm going to keep training hard. I'm going to get back to the gym. My coach, my training partners were encouraging me too, for sure. You know, um, my training partners, um, were great people and, uh, you know, I'm I'm really thankful for them, but, but definitely like the drive of just like, this isn't over. Like if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, like I need to be okay with losing. Um, and then just keep getting back out there, you know, and my coach kept encouraging me like the only way to get better is to keep competing, you know, keep putting yourself out there. Um cuz at this point I was the only guy in the gym competing, you know? Um no one else was competing. So
0: um Yeah. That's kind of so Finally, we are able to turn it around. I know you said you went like a year without even winning a match. Yeah. Was, was there a turning point where you felt like, okay, I think I kind of got a hang of this or anything that happened that led you on the path to to more victories? Or was it just simply just training more? Um I think just with time, you know,
1: like, uh, I, I, had started to spend a lot more time, especially on the weekends, um, like drilling, um, spending a lot of time drilling specific positions. Um, and I think that just made me more confident. Um, I also like, uh, one of my, one of my training partners in the gym was also like a big, um, really into fitness. Like he, he had gone to school to study all that and stuff. And so, he had kind of started taking me under his wing a little bit and showing me, um, exercises to do in the gym. And so I think I was just getting confident. Like I was working out now I was, I felt better in jujitsu cause I was drilling more. Um, and yeah, I mean, about a year later, like I, was, I just felt like I was getting comfortable. I finally ended up winning, uh, you know, a tournament at white belt, you know, teen white belt. Um, and so, I won the tournament and immediately got promoted to my yellow belt. So, you know, for those that that don't know the kid system, you know, like the kids go from white belt and then they go through the, uh, the three stages of each belt, right? White, solid gray, gray, black, and then, um, yellow, white and so forth. Right. He promoted me straight to a solid yellow belt. Um, so, I mean, I skipped a whole series of belts completely. Um, and then spent another couple months, you know, getting beat up by the yellow belts. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I just, again, just kept getting back at it. And I found my rhythm, found my groove. And I, I started winning a couple yellow belt tournaments. And I was like, man, I'm feeling really good. Um, what's it called? I feel like like a, um, I can handle myself in this division now. Uh, I want to be testing myself to compete. Um, And then I got my, uh, right before I turned, right before I turned 16, um, my, my, uh, my coach promoted me to blue belt. And so, man, like that was, I would say probably one of the toughest transitions for me to move from like teen, teen yellow belt to the juvenile blue belt was, uh, a big, uh, A big storm for me man like yeah that was like another year year and a half of like losing
0: so because isn't it normal yellow then orange then green and then blue yeah
1: yeah but because um because by the time i had my yellow belt like i was already um you know 14 15 so there there's no time for me to go through the rest of the belts right Mm -hmm. so when you turn when you turn 16 if if a child or you know a a youth competitor has rank they can't go back to white belt right they have to go to blue belt um so because i already had my yellow belt uh right before right when i turned 16 my coach gave me my blue belt so yeah i didn't go through the rest of the stages of orange and green um but now i was fighting these you know blue belt monsters um and so yeah that was uh that was
0: rough yeah, I can imagine go. that's a really tough transition because nowadays you see really good blue belt competitors who are insanely good at jiu-jitsu right when they get their blue belt, but a lot of them went through gray, then yellow, then yes. orange. Like They they went through that whole transition of all the kids' belts. They were competing the whole way through. And I feel like it's also good just to build your confidence. If you're winning in every belt level, it doesn't yeah. probably feel as difficult once you jump to the next one, even if it's an adult rank. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you want to talk a little bit about what advice you would have for someone who's maybe in a similar position to you were when you started jujitsu, you realize right away you want to make it a career. Like, I, I guess we'll start just from a competitor standpoint. What advice would you have for someone who's a younger person wants to be basically a pro athlete jujitsu and yeah, they, they're starting from ground zero. Ooh, man, <laughs> uh, I'd say,
1: Yeah. At least from, from how I started and where I came from. Um, and I know every person's situation is going to be different, but I was at a gym that, um, I think was okay for me when I started, but based on my goals and my, my desires to be a competitor, I had very quickly, um, start to outgrow the gym. You know, I was a, a competitor in a room with other people who, who weren't always competing or or weren't um, weren't ready to keep that same pace, you know. My instructor at the time wasn't a competitor, um, you know, and so it, it, it took me a while to kind of realize, like, uh, you know, if I wanted to achieve my goals, I needed to be surrounded by people with similar similar goals, similar mindsets, right? Uh, and so some. Some, uh, some things went down with my coach at the time. You know he wasn't the uh, um, wasn't the best of people uh, you know, come to find out later. but uh, um, you know, I, I had made the decision to leave. I was right after right after I got my my blue belt, I competed at the, um, at the Penn Ams. This was like march March 2000, March 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, and that was my last tournament with my coach. I had a a horrible performance. Um, and I was just, after that, it just really hit me that I was like, I need to be at a gym that's more competition oriented. Um, you know, that maybe has more of a track record for creating champion. And in Arizona at the time, the gym that always stood out was GD Jiu Jitsu Association, um, and Gustavo Dantas, right? So, um, I, I was able to uh, find a gym that was close to home that had just become a, a GD Jiu Jitsu affiliate. And so uh, I went to the gym and just basically got, I had gotten signed up. And I think from there was probably the best decision I ever made. Uh, it still took me some time to kind of get a grasp of the new system, you know, like learning, learning all these new techniques. Um, and still just trying to find my groove again, you know, it's not like I, I switched teams and immediately I started having amazing results. Um, it still took time. You still have to put the work in, um, you know, and, and I think, I think for, for any athlete or competitor, like it's great to be surrounded by other champions, by other competitors, you know, but, but you got to want it too. you know, you got to have it in you. You got to have to want to, uh, or y- you got to want to work hard you got to want to uh to grind man to have the tough sessions against the guys that are beating you up um you know a lot of people don't always want to roll with the guys that give them a hard time you know the guys that are too rough or the guys that are consistently tapping you know because it's uncomfortable it sucks to get tapped it sucks to get uh you know ragdolled around the room you know but um those are the rounds that are going to get you better you know like if if i never spent time um losing and I was just always winning, I'd never find those weak points. I'd never, you know, let myself get pushed to that point of exhaustion, to that point of, you know, wanting to quit, shut down. Um, so when I switched, not only was I, um, in a room with other like-minded people, they were genuinely good people and also people, um, who were willing to take me to those lengths, you know, Uh, push me into deep waters in training. Um, you know, and, uh, it took me it, you know, took me a while, and then once I finally found my groove, I, it just kind of—I felt like I just skyrocketed there.
0: And Do you remember some of your early training sessions at GDHQ? Cause I remember when I first moved out to Arizona, Illinois, being in that room with a bunch of tough competitors who were competing on the IBJJF scene very consistently. It was—it was pretty rough. I was getting my ass beat every single day. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. How, what it was like in that room when you first walked in?
1: Uh, it's pretty intimidating, um, you know, because. Training at an affiliate gym, you know, there's always talks of like, oh man, like, like uh, you know, when you go down to headquarters, it's uh like it's war. Every single round is a hundred percent and like there's no rest. And like they're they make it they used to like make it sound like it was just like uh every match was a death match, you know. And (laughs) I was like, you know, I'm I'm still, you know, I'm young. I'm you know, I'm 15, 16 years old. I'm like, that's awesome. Like I want that. And, uh, but like from where I lived, you know, like to drive down to, you know, Jiu Jitsu Academy was like 50, 55 minutes one way. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to have a coach now at the affiliate gym, um, who was constantly training at GDHQ. And so, uh, I lived right next to him. So a lot of times, um, you know, we'd go to train together, um, He was also a big competitor. Um, and so what we started doing was, uh, uh, before, before school, he would pick me up and we would go train at Gustavo's, um, early bird class at six 30 in the morning. Uh, and then I basically, you know, shower there, he'd rush me back to school. I would do school, um, and then get out of school, do some homework and then go back to train again. You know, like that's what we did all day, every day. Um, but it definitely, like, the first couple times there, like, it, it, I remember just thinking, like, every round here is a tough round. Like, I'm a blue belt, but, like, these white belts will tap, you know? Like, there's, there's no easy round. There is no rest round. There is no guy that, that you can look around and, like, you know, you're, you're, you're searching around the room for maybe that guy won't give me a hard time. I can use him to kind of rest. And I was like, no. No, no person here is going to allow me to rest like everyone's coming at you and um you know especially like when Gustavo's walking around like I feel like I don't know if if it's still like this you know but like back in the day like you'd be rolling and you might be having a nice roll and the second like Gustavo would come around to watch like your partner would just turn it up a hundred percent and I'm like what happened man like <laughs> I thought we were having fun now you're trying to kill me so um you know it's I get it. Everyone wants to, you know, look good for the, for the professor walking around. So, um, the time and, um, I, again, I really like that type of training. I really like the hard training. I really like um, uh, the style of, of teaching that Gustavo had. Um, and so, you know, as I was competing, I started the, once I finally found my groove, I had a lot of success, um, towards the end of my years at juvenile blue belt. Um, and then when, when I was probably right before I got my purple belt, um, I had, I had a pretty bad performance at the world championships, um, in the adult division and Gustavo, Gustavo pulled me aside and he just said, Hey, you know, I I think you have the potential to be a world champion. Um, I'm just not sure if that's going to happen at the affiliate gym you know, like they're great people. It's a great gym, but you know, if you want to be a world champion, I think, I think you should come and train in Tempe, you know? And he said, don't worry about anything else. Come to Tempe, you put in the effort and I'll help make you a champion, you know? So, uh, that always stuck, stuck out to me. And so I, uh, um, I took his offer and I started training full-time, um, over at a GDHQ,
0: you know, I was 18 years old. So cool to hear about starting the sport and losing coming up and your hard training rounds. Cause now pretty much everyone in the Arizona jiu-jitsu community knows who you are, knows that you're one of the top competitors in the state, knows that you have wins over some of the top black belts already, even though you're still relatively early in your black belt career. So was that conversation, do you feel like that was the turning point for you? Like to give you the confidence to really pursue those world championship aspirations or was it maybe like a tournament victory or something else? Um, I think
1: when I was, um, probably one of my last tournaments at Juvenile, so I was like 17, right before I moved to the adult division, um, I had fought a kid here locally. Um, he, he was from, he was from Lotus Club at the time when, when Lotus Club was at Siege MMA. Um, what's it called? He He was winning like all the tournaments, not just locally, but he was winning like uh, Pan Ams. He was winning worlds. um, He was winning American nationals in the juvenile division. But um, he was he was a weight class above me, I believe. And I just remember thinking like, man, like if this guy can do it, you know, another Arizona kid, if he can do it, why can't I? Um, And my last tournament at juvenile, I fought at one of the um, like Southwest classics um, here in Phoenix and him and I met in the finals of the blue belt juvenile open class. Um, and I remember like, I was so nervous and, you know, I was like, man, this guy's a two, two or three time Pan American champion, uh, three time world champion, you know, at the blue belt level. And I was like, I don't have, I don't have those big titles. Um, you know, his gi, his gi looks really nice. You know what I mean? Like he's got to show your roll on, he's got, he's got sponsors, you know? And I'm like, you know, I was I would get so intimidated over all those little things, you know, like, yeah, he's he's got a he's got a really nice gi on. He's got a bunch of patches on, um, you know, um, I don't know. He's got all these titles. He's got this and that, you know, like I don't have those. Can I beat him? Um, and my coach at the time was really great. Um, and he just encouraged me he's like, he's like if you play your game, you can beat this guy. Like It doesn't matter what he's won before. Um, it's about right now you know, um, play your game. And if you play your game, I know you can beat him. And it just, I don't know, something clicked right there, you know, and I was able to go out and I ended up, um, I ended up beating him four to zero with two, two Barambolo sweeps. So I, I wasn't able to get the back, but I swept them twice with Barambolos. And, uh, um, that to me was like, at the time, like what felt like my biggest, my biggest victory uh, to date, you know, beating a world champion, Pan American champion, you know, t- and I think it was that point there where I really felt like, okay, I'm good enough. I can do this. You know um, I know I can make it happen. And then later on that year, I, I went on to, to take second at the Pan Ams um, in the juvenile division, uh, which again, just helped me solidify more. Like I can do this. I know I'm capable of it. I just need to keep working you know um I'm almost there uh and then w- when I moved to the adult division that was just another rude awakening for me man like every time I moved divisions I was I was never the guy that like moved from one division to the next and just had a ton of success you know so I have had to um really be humbled quite a bit
0: before I started having some success was your blue to purple belt transition like that Dif- really difficult beginning and took you a while to get the results you wanted
1: um, a little bit, it was more so like, um, when I moved from blue juvenile to blue adult, like, you know, it's like, they talk about like, you know, kid strength. And then now you got like man strength, you know? And so I was like, I'm fighting grown men. And, uh, um, I, I think, I think it was, I was also at the point where I was like kind of in between weight classes. I didn't know which division I wanted to fight in uh super heavyweight or heavyweight. Um, and I fought, I fought at super heavyweight for a long time because I didn't want to cut weight, but I was closer to heavyweight, you know? And so when I finally started to make the effort to uh, cut down to heavyweight, um, my, when I got my purple belt, I really like, I kind of found my rhythm because now I was already a couple years into the adult division. Um, I had found what weight class I felt most comfortable at, um, as long as I had a good weight cut, you know? Um, and so I, I feel like I did uh, um, I feel like I did pretty decent at purple belt, you know. Um, purple belt's probably where I spent the like the most time competing, like out of state. Um, that year, I believe when I the year I got my purple belt, Gustavo had made a um, like a rule for the the students of the academy, like IBJJF had put like I think fifty points for black belts to be able to compete at the worlds. Uh, but Gustavo had said he wanted all the other athletes at the gym who were going to compete at the world to have at least 20 or 30, something like that. Um, and so we needed to have IBJJF points. And so, um, I started traveling, you know, everywhere that I could, you know, I was going to California, Texas, um, Chicago. Um, I got to see a lot of really cool places, uh, and I got to get a lot of experience, um, competing at purple belt. And, uh, again, like at Purple belt, I probably went like gosh, I can't remember how many tournaments in a row where I would make it to the finals every single time and lose in the finals, like every single tournament like i i I can't tell you how many second place medals I have you know in my in my room, you know, but uh um, yeah, again, it's just you keep going, you know i I love the sport, and uh I feel like I'm very driven, and so. A loss is definitely upsetting nobody likes to lose but um you know instead of dwelling on it it's just trying to you know what can i improve on get back in the gym and keep working
0: you know one thing you touched on that i feel like separates you from a lot of competitors now is the emphasis put on like strength and conditioning and your nutrition program talked about finding that optimal weight class and that kind of being a catalyst for some of your better results so can you talk about when you started making those things a priority because I know now you work with a really really good strength coach you're always on top of your nutrition everything like that
1: yeah so um you know for a long time I really didn't have like a ton of knowledge on it you know I had people in the gym who would just share like yeah you want to you know you want to have your proteins your carbs and your fats and you know you're trying to eat clean foods. you don't want to eat junk food stuff like that and and uh you know sweating out with the water weight, you know, like just pretty, pretty basic stuff, you know, but I never really had a, um, a good coach or professional for most of my career. It wasn't until, um, uh, 20 in 2017 when my, my wife and I, we had left our jobs, um, and we, we had decided, we decided that we were going to be in the process of, uh, opening our own academy. Um, I, I had a lot of time, like, you know, we'll call it free time per se, uh, before the gym had actually opened up where all, all I was focusing on was training. Cause, you know, up until then I was working, training, teaching, you know, but, uh, um, in, in 2017, I was, uh, um, I was a brown belt now and uh, I'd quit my job. I was getting ready to open a gym and it was actually, um, Josh Rodriguez. Um, I I was taking his class at Gustavo's early bird class and he just brought it up one day. He's like, Hey, I have a, I have a buddy of mine, um, who is an ex NFL player. I'm pretty sure he's a personal trainer, like close to where you live. And I was like, Oh, awesome. What's his name? You know, I looked him up. And I was like, dude, this guy lives like, you know, 10 minutes from me. And so um, I, I had reached out to him. You know, his name is Dante Moak. Um, he runs his own business, Inferno Performance, um, personal training. I reached out to him um, about, you know, seeing if he would sponsor me. I told him I knew Josh. Um, I gave him like my whole jujitsu resume. And uh, um, I literally, I walked into his office. He looked at my resume and he was like, I believe in you, man. He's like, I'm going to give you a shot. And, uh, from that day we started w- like working forward and, and, uh, I've been with him ever since. So that was, uh, October, October of 2017, you know? So I've been with him for a long time now. And, uh, I mean, our relationship has just continued to grow, to grow. Um, he's taken care of me for everything, my nutrition, my supplements, uh, my training, like, if I can't make it to the gym with him, he'll send me a workout of what to do. Uh, my weight cuts for every tournament after that got easier because he was able to control uh, my food, you know, um, whether if, if he was the one, you know, making the meals for me, then, you know, he knew what was going in my body. And if he wasn't, then he would tell me, hey, like, this is what you're eating this week. This is what you're eating in preparation for the tournament. Um, you know, I had different goals. It was like, you know, I had, I had goals where I was like, Hey, I want to, um, I want to fight it ultra heavy. Like I want to put on size. We spent, you know, six to eight months, you know, lifting really heavy and focusing on that aspect, you know? And then, um, you know, most recently for my, my last couple fight to wins, I had made decision that I wanted down, um, to super heavyweight, which is 222 pounds. And for the last, Probably the last year, I was walking around at close to two hundred and fifty, you know, and so, oh, yeah, a, a yeah, <laughs> it, it's a it's a lot of weight, you know, but, um, you know, it's the way I train and it's the food that I'm eating, you know, and so now, um, you know, he has a science to everything, you know. I mean, he's he's one of the smartest guys I know, and and uh, and he loves what he's doing. He he loves finding different ways to challenge the body, uh, push the body. Um, and you know, he helps me, he helps me with different exercises for my weak points. You know, I have really tight hips and hamstrings. So, you know, a lot of things we do, especially might be with our warm-ups, you know, really being able to take a lot of pressure off the hips, the knees, um, help me with jujitsu related exercises. Um, and then again, he takes care of all my supplements. I mean, he provides all my, um, my protein, my vitamins, my amino acids, like, um, you know, I, meeting meeting Dante um, has been, <clears throat> for sure, one of the biggest blessings of of my life. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I would be exactly where I'm at in my career without him. You know, he's he's been a huge part of it, and uh, I I owe a lot of it
0: to him for sure. From the outside looking in, one of the things that seems really cool about Type of experience he has and expertise is like you said, he was an ex professional NFL player, so he knows a lot about athletic performance. I believe and you can correct me if I'm wrong that he also does bodybuilding or has done bodybuilding. Yeah, so he yeah. has nutrition knowledge, like muscle gain. You talked about going up a weight class, cutting, for I'm sure he had plenty of that in his bodybuilding days for sure. So to have that blend of experience between the athletic realm and the physique realm is, I feel like that's pretty unique for, for a trainer. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, uh, um it's like the best of both worlds, man. You know, like he can help me, he was super knowledgeable in helping me put the size on to lift like a bodybuilder. Um, And then like, even, even, you know, when he was, he was competing for bodybuilding, um, you know, he was pushing 280, 290 pounds, but he was still, you know, super athletic. Like he would, he would walk in the gym and just like do a backflip, you know, like, the things he can do are just insane, unheard of, like talk about like natural athletic ability combined with just pure like work ethic. Um, I mean, he, he, uh, um, he can do it all, you know? And so to have a coach like that, like um, he's constantly pushing me. And so I, I aspire to be, you know, half the athlete that he is,
0: you know, I'm going to have to uh, cut the clip of this, this podcast and send it to him. It's a pretty good endorsement for, for his training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> for sure. So do you want to talk a little bit? So obviously you went through that transition with Dante. You kind of honed in all the athletic, strength and conditioning, nutrition stuff. And then you really started to have some really good results at, at Brown Belt and into your early stages of Black Belt. So do you want to talk about what some of those accomplishments are? Like which ones you're most proud of?
1: Um. Yeah, I'd say um, my the first one that comes to mind r- right away, um, you'll you probably remember we went to Seattle. Um, this was again, like I had just spent a few months with my coach in front of performance. Now my strength coach, um, I had just quit my job. I was focusing on training, doing nothing else, just, you know, working on the business stuff at home, getting ready for it to open, but mainly training twice a day at, at a headquarters now training with in front of performance, uh, you know, for like two hours a day. Um, And so my first tournament as like a, you know, a full-time athlete per se um, was a Seattle open in 2018. Um, And I took double gold with all submissions, uh, all leg locks actually. So I had all straight ankle locks and knee bars um, all the way around. And uh, one of the guys I beat on my way to the finals was a really accomplished competitor, Um, and I was able to submit him too, and it was just one of those days where like, I can't explain it, but like the confidence was there. And I just felt like, like, this is, I I don't know what it was. Like, I, I knew like, this is my day. Like I'm going to win today and nobody's going to stop. And, uh, I wish I could replicate that feeling every tournament, you know what I mean? But, uh, um, that one, my jujitsu just felt so smooth. Um, like I wasn't nervous. Um, and I just felt like I was having fun. I think for a long time, um, I suffered, uh, through the lower ranks, especially, um, with the nerves, you know, um, that feeling of, again, like, am I good enough to beat this guy or, you know, have I trained hard enough? Oh, like, did I put in enough time in the gym? Did I put in enough time drilling? You know, should I not have sat out that one time in class? You know what I mean? I skipped around or whatever it is like, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. And I'm always so skeptical about, you know, can I do it? What if I lose? What if I lose in front of my family? Oh, what if I lose in front of my training partners, I want to win, you know, like, and then I got married, you know, it's like, oh I don't want to lose in front of my wife, you know, like, so it's, it was always something. And I felt like that day in Seattle, I just like, I had no stress. I had no worries. It was like, man, I'm here with my friends. We're competing, we're doing what we love. And like, I'm going to go out and and have a good time. And it just like my jujitsu just flowed, you know? And so I had all submissions that day, took double gold. Um, I had a lot of success in the, um, like the super fight circuits. So like for fight to win, I was able to win like my first four matches all with ankle locks, uh, pretty quickly. One of them got me like submission of the night. Um, and so like I'm super thankful for fight to win and, and Seth as well, because I felt like, like the fight to win is what really kind of like, uh, made my name more popular, more known, you know, um, I've been in the Arizona Jiu-Jitsu community for a long time, but, uh, you know, one of my big goals as a competitor was to be someone who's known. Like I, I, I want, I want people in my division. I want, you know, the heavyweights, the super heavyweights, you know, to be like, oh man, like Josh is competing. That guy's a monster. You know I mean, like it's gonna be a war, win or lose. Like that guy's one of the best, you know. And uh, I- I've wanted my my name to be known, my jiu jitsu to be known, and and thankfully now my ankle lock is known, you know. And so uh, it's taken a lot of time, It's taken a lot of work, um, but we're getting there. And so um, I was able to fight for the title. I lost a split decision for the title, um, and then. Uh, at my Brown Belt career too, I was also able to uh, – I was Brown Belt for three years. And for three years in a row, I uh, I took third, third at Pan Am's in the Brown Belt Super Heavy Division, um, beating some really good guys to make it onto the podium. Uh, but again, just losing to the number one guys, you know? So at that point, it was a little more of like, okay, like I'm losing – but I'm losing to the number one guys in this division, you know? So I I know I can hang. I know that I'm almost there. Like I'm not getting mauled. Um, I'm hanging in there. Um, I just got to keep working. You know, that's always been my, my mentality, I guess, like definitely frustrated about losing. Um, but I know, I know I can hang with them. Like it just needs more time. It just needs more time.
0: So smiling a lot as you were talking about the Seattle performance, because, I just remember going there. I think there were four of us from GD competing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think myself and Kevin and Orlando both lost. They're all lost. I should say our first round match. So we were all super bummed. And I just remember watching you submit everyone and like completely turned around our days. We were so happy. I remember taking that picture after you won double gold. Yeah. Yeah. The knee bar submission. Was it the knee bar in the open final? Was that how you won it?
1: um i think i just hit a um, a straight ankle lock in the final straight i hit ankle.
0: a yeah yeah the semi-final was the knee bar the knee bar yeah yeah i remember as he was trying to take your back you caught that knee bar that yeah so yeah <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah. man it's a good incredible. feeling it's a good feeling yeah that was that was a great absolutely amazing tournament memory for me but uh what about a black belt you've, i know you've won some i think you won at least one i've open some fight to win matches you want to talk mm-hmm. about those
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, when I got my black belt, um, my first IBJJF tournament was against, um, I fought at the Phoenix open, the Phoenix open, um, ultra heavyweight. And I fought, uh, Carlos Farias, uh, who's a local here in Arizona. Right. And so, uh, I think what a lot of people don't know is like that for me was really cool. Like I know, Carlos usually fights masters, you know. And so he came down to adult um to fight. And like the very first tournament that I did, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of a segment, right? Um, the very first tournament that I did when I walked into the venue, I'll never forget watching, like I'm I'm pretty sure like Carlos was fighting. Carlos was fighting at that tournament and he was a black belt. Sure he was, yeah. He was a black belt already, you know. So like I'm I'm a white belt one month in. And Carlos Farias is over there, you know, um, competing as a black belt already. So then now fast forward to my first tournament as a black belt and I'm fighting the guy that I saw, you know, in my first tournament ever. So that was kind of like a surreal feeling and also kind of like a a good feeling of like, you know, you hear that quote of like, um, you know, um, where the young the young guys are training so much that now the idols are becoming – um, not necessarily oh, their, their rivals, you know? And so um, I have nothing against Carlos. For me, it was a huge honor to be able to fight, to fight him. And uh, um, I was able to come away um, with the submission victory. And uh, I won the Phoenix Open that day, uh, which, again, just gave me a lot more confidence, you know, that I could hang, um, especially in that division, because Carlos was a lot bigger than me, you know? Uh, and then... Uh after that I ended up fighting, I fought at like the Las Vegas Open. Um uh, I won my first match and then I lost in the finals to Victor Hugo, um, who again is just, you know, an amazing, amazing athlete and uh has, you know, obviously some of the best jujitsu in the sport. He's the number one right now for a reason. Um, but I remember that day, like I felt super nervous because Victor had already beaten me a handful of times at Brown Belt and I never felt like I could even touch him. When I fought him at black belt, like, he beat me, but the nerves were gone. And I just felt like, you know what, like, like, I'm gonna go in there and give everything I got, like, he's already beaten me before, like, let's just go. And I felt much better. I felt like I was able to move and play my game. Um, you know, I just, I got caught, you know, so um, I'd love to, I'd love to fight him again down the road and, and, uh, have many more opportunities to fight, you know, some of the top guys in the division. But, um, for me now, especially it's been like, it's been really cool to fight high level guys because whether I win or I lose, it gives me that confidence to know that like, like I'm doing something right, you know, from, from my training, my drilling, my strength and conditioning, like what I'm doing is paying off and, you know, little by little, I'm making my way to the top. So, um, at Black Belt then I was able to um, get a couple matches um at fight to win. Um and I won my my first uh uh I think my first two matches um at Black Belt, I was able to get two two submission victories pretty quickly. Um and then my uh most recent ones, um I lost I lost here in Scottsdale. Um again, another one of those times where it was like, ah, um, I feel like I should be able to beat this person, but what if he beats me? What if he beats me? And it just like, it's this negativity that I think affects so many competitors. And, uh, um, you know, I I, speaking for myself, like it hits me really hard. And then I start to doubt myself. Um, luckily I I have, a uh, you know, one of my coaches, Bo Bo Triple A, is is really really great at just reassuring me. Um, but I went into the match and uh, um, I just felt very closed off. Uh, my opponent did a really good job of shutting down my game, um, and I ended up getting caught with a submission. Uh, I was dwelling on that so much because um, that was super frustrating because I felt like I wasn't able to display what I know. I could do on the mat. And, uh, I messaged Seth right away. And I was like, Hey, I know you probably have a ton of people that want to get on the Phoenix card. Um, like, but please, if you have anything, you know, I'm ready to go. I know I can come back and, and, uh, um, and put on a show, you know? And so, um, he, he messages me back and, you know, like in my head, I feel like a little bit, I'm kind of like, man, like I, I need a good match. I need a, um, I need a win under my belt now. And he, he tells me the name of the guy who wants me to fight. And he's already like one of the top ranked black belt at super heavyweight. And I was like, oh, man. Okay, well, you know, now I'm going from like a, a low confidence point to now having to fight one of the top guys in the division. And I was like, let's do it. Let's go. Um, and like my mindset for training was just much different that week. Those, these were, you know, one week apart. You know, and so I fought the next weekend, fight to win. Um, and I was able to like, just really open up, really let my jujitsu flow. And uh, I was able to get the, um, the submission, you know, against another very, very successful competitor. Um, I had been watching him a lot at brown belt. He had a lot of success at brown um, and he's already been winning a lot of tournaments at black belt. So um, for me was a, um, was a great victory. And again, another reminder of, you know, like I'm doing something right. And I just need to believe in myself, like my coach believes in me, like my team believes in me, um, and just get rid of the the self-doubt, you know, that's, that's my biggest issue as a competitor, the self-doubt.
0: Yeah. I think your, your opponent was coming off a, a win at the American nationals 2021, like really, really close to your fight to win match. So he went through a really stacked division, got first. He's one of the, might've even been the top ranked super heavy in terms of points. I'm not sure I could be wrong, but he was definitely up there. So props on that win. That was super cool to watch. Thank it was a, you. Thank super you. Super cool to commentate. That was, that was a really fun part of it too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You and Jake, you and Jake definitely had some, uh, some great commentating for sure, man. It's great. It's nice to hear my friends commentating on the show. You know, like you guys, you know, me, you know, my jujitsu and, and even more like you guys know the Arizona jujitsu community, you know? So it's awesome to see you guys commentating on the show.
0: Sure. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. So I want to pivot a little bit, if that's okay with you, Yeah. yeah. competition to your coaching career, because you mentioned like, even when you were a white belt, you saw your coach, you were thinking, this is a guy who teaches jujitsu for a living, doesn't have another job. I want to do this. And obviously you have your school now, Refuge BJJ in North Phoenix, really successful school. One thing that I feel like has always set you apart as a coach is your emphasis on your kids' program. So you want to talk about your kids' program and why that's such an important part of your program that you wanted to develop and put a lot of time to?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, when I first, I first started teaching, I was, um, I had, I had, uh, already left my instructor and I had gone now to this, uh, GD Jiu Jitsu affiliate gym. And, uh, um, at the time, again, this gym was still really small. Um, we, we only had a, a kid's Jiu Jitsu program once a week. Um and again, this was still like early 2000s right? So like um jujitsu wasn't as popular yet as it is now. And so, you know, I know maybe some people listening might be like jujitsu only once a week, like you know, stuff like that wasn't insane back in the day, you know. Um but but yeah, we only had classes once a week. And the instructor at the time, um the uh the in, head instructor was a brown belt at the time. Um he just you know, his thing wasn't teaching kids and, and I get it. Like it's, it's way different teaching kids than it is teaching adults. Um, and anybody that's taught both can tell you that, um, you teach kids, right? So yeah, it's, uh, uh, um, it's not the same. And so he didn't want to teach the program and, uh, the owner of the gym, um, couldn't find someone to teach it. And so they were going to cancel the program again at the time there was probably only like 10 or 12 kids, you know, um, that were coming in once a week on Saturday to train jujitsu. So, I, you know, I'm a 15 year old, you know, 15, 16 year old blue belt. And I said, Hey, like, I'll teach it. You know, I had already been coming in for a couple months, helping my instructor, um, teach the class, you know, I was his Uki. And, uh, um, I said, Hey man, like, uh, you don't have to pay me. Like I'll come in. Like, I would love to do it. Like, like, Some of these kids are like, they look really good and like, they love it. And like, I just thought like, what if that were me? What if I was the one training and that was like the only thing that I did. And all of a sudden, you know, the gym was like, well, we can't find anyone to teach it. So we're just going to cancel it. You're going to have to find something else, you know, like I knew what jujitsu meant to me and I didn't know if it meant that to these young kids, but I was like, you know what? Like if I can have a part in keeping this program alive, like I'll do it. And it's good experience for me. So I was like, Hey, I'll teach it um, you know, if you give me a shot. And so, uh, the owner gave me the chance to start teaching on Saturdays and, um, man, it, it's kind of hard to say, but just like little by little, it just kind of started to skyrocket. So like, um uh, I was teaching the program once a week on Saturdays and then it started to grow. So we went from like 10 to 12 and then we were at like 20 kids, 25 kids. And then we're like, Oh wow, we should probably add a couple more days. So then, we started adding a uh, um afternoon afternoon classes now um monday wednesday monday wednesdays and saturdays right and then the program again little by little started to kind of grow and we're like man we should add another day so we added fridays and um you know throughout that time i've had different people kind of come in and help me you know as my as a, an extra set of eyes um and as a nuki you know um but I think when my wife my wife came in uh, in like probably 20, 2013-ish, I think 2012, 2013, she came in and started helping me. This bef- like before, right before the, um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about our own gym. Sorry, this is when we're still teaching at this affiliate gym. Um, she started helping me. And from there, when she started helping me, the gym just kind of, uh, the student base for the kids program really just like skyrocketed. We started going from like 25 to 30, 35, 40, 50. Um, I mean, we got up to almost 70 students, um, in the, in the kids program at GD Jiu Jitsu North Phoenix. Um, and like at this point now I was teaching five, six days a week. Um, the program was just exploding and, um, you know, with the team, we had a lot of, uh, really great competitors um for jiu jitsu north phoenix we were able to bring home you know a lot of trophies a lot of uh uh third and fourth place trophies uh one year we even took took home uh, a second place trophy but still like way behind the bigger teams you know um but still it was it was something that i really enjoyed and the more i taught and the more that i saw the kids Learning my jujitsu was like the coolest feeling in the world. You know, like to know that that like, man, I taught this kid something, and he's using it, and now like they're a monster because of the moves that I showed them. You know, or you know, I'm I'm able to to help be be a light in their life, and maybe you know they they didn't do well in other sports. Maybe they had other coaches that were really hard on them, and, maybe not just jujitsu, but other sports, you know, maybe they play soccer, football or baseball or whatever. And they had coaches that were just really hard on them. Um, and my style of coaching isn't, isn't like that. Like I'm, I'm loud when I'm coaching for sure. But my job is to it, like, I want to encourage people. I want people to know that like, Hey, I support you. I'm behind you. I'm going to push you and help you be a better version of yourself. Um, uh, but I'm not going to let you give up. You know, I'm going to keep pushing you, uh, but i'll never i'll never put you down you know um i'll never yell at you like my voice is just kind of loud as a as a way to express myself you know um and so and again it all kind of stems back to i i knew the the impact that jiu had for me and uh i wanted to hopefully make that same impact on the lives of these kids you know and then maybe there'd be another kid that someday says hey I want to make a living through jujitsu because of coach Josh. Like he did this for me and he changed my life. And now I want to do the same. I want to help someone else and then they'll help someone else, you know? And it just kind of, um, it's a, um, like a domino effect, you know? So
0: yeah. It's pretty cool that you had the foresight to realize that even though you weren't getting paid when you started, it was going to be almost like a training program for you. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach kids. It's going to be a great experience for me. It's going to help me when I open my academy. Because you were pretty young when you first started doing that, so it wasn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a lot
0: of people who are that age don't don't think like that. They don't think so so far into the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess I've just always been a. Um, you know, I, I won't get into it, but de- I think definitely my uh, my upbringing definitely helped me mature a lot faster than other people my age. So I think that's where
0: so you mentioned some of the trophies you were able to win as the GD North Phoenix head coach, some of the kids' divisions at, at tournaments. You recently won first place as an academy at the Arizona, uh, Arizona Jiu-Jitsu League State Championships, which is really, really awesome. Yeah, so yeah. you want to talk about what that meant to you? Because I think it was it was really cool, too, because it was the first uh, AZBJJL tournament that came back after the pandemic. There were a ton of competitors. Everyone was itching to compete. It felt like every Jiu-Jitsu practitioner in the state was inside that gymnasium so yes talk about oh that. man yeah um uh, man it was
1: <clears throat> it, it was a surreal experience um we we had been prepping for a long time for this tournament and uh um you know originally i was i was gonna have up to um and up to 50, up to 50 kids, uh, registered and, you know, things happen, you know, and people register so far in advance or, you know, um, people take vacations cause it's, 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 a uh, um, you know, right around the time that school starting and stuff. So, uh, for kids. And so, uh, we didn't actually come with a big of a team as I thought we would. Um, but you know, we, we brought refuge, brought 37 youth competitors, um, and everyone just had amazing results. Um, you know, and and more than just like, you know, their results, but, but how they fought, everyone looked very calm and composed, um, very mature, mature jujitsu. Um, like they knew what they were doing. Um, you know, some people had, some people had a lot of submissions. Some people had a lot of like, um, you know, victories on points, but they were just like running through their opponents, you know, and it was just, it was just amazing to watch, you know, it was like all the hard work that we've been putting in. I mean, since I opened the gym, I opened my academy, um, in, in, uh, April of 2018. And so, um, it was, it was awesome to, you know, we've been trying to at least get on the podium for a while, but being a small gym, it was hard to, against the other single academies um, who were bringing, you know, large numbers of, of students. And so um, to, to finally now, you know, three, almost four years into it, be able to bring such a strong team and take out, you know, some of the gyms uh, that had been winning for so long um, was just an awesome, awesome feeling. Like I swear when I, uh, I was looking at the, um, like the leaderboard throughout the day, and I could see that we were in first place. And I was like, I can't believe it. Like, I don't know. I don't want to jinx it. I don't know if we're going to stay here. There's still matches going on. Um, but I'm just, I'm so thankful. Like I, I wanted to cry. It was just like, I felt so happy because it just felt like like all the hard work, uh, that we've been putting in, um, that myself and all my assistant coaches put in, um, it, it, it's paid off and it's shown, and uh, you know we did. We definitely didn't have the largest number of students competing, uh, but I believe we we were one of the strongest. And uh, based on the results, we were able to um, bring home the the first place trophy for a single academy. You know, so um,
0: that was just a amazing feeling. Amazing feeling. You started competing when you first started as a white belt at the Arizona Brazilian Jiu Jitsu League. And you were able to win the team title for your academy for the kids. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about what the Arizona Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu league has meant to your Jiu-Jitsu journey, both as a competitor and a coach. Cause I feel like they've, they're one of the tournament organizations that puts on consistent events throughout the year, know what the quality is going to be like, know what the rules are. It's been one of the best events in the country for a really long time. So can you talk about the organization and what it's meant to you throughout your journey?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, um, kind of like you said it, it is one of the, the the best run tournaments in arizona um and that's not a um a bias statement because you know Gustavo's my coach and he's the one who puts on the tournaments you know but uh i mean if anybody has been to the arizona brazilian jiu-jitsu league tournaments and then you go to another tournament it makes you grateful for the league because uh i i, I mean it, it's sometimes it's just ridiculous going to these other tournaments you know uh, but for me, like as a young competitor, like it's amazing. It was a blessing to be able to compete so many times um, locally without having to have to leave my state to go get competition. And in my opinion, as as far as you know, local tournaments go, the Arizona Brazilian Jiu Jitsu League brings the toughest competitors to the tournaments. You know, um, the smaller tournaments that you see here locally, I feel like bring a different crowd. Uh, you kind of see maybe some smaller gyms, or you see different people competing um and in my opinion you know the the toughest tournaments are uh the league tournaments you know and uh i'm grateful for them now as a um as a coach because now it gives my students multiple opportunities to compete throughout the year um and so um i recommend them and i i push them to all my students uh before any other tournament you know whether um I always give my students the option to, for sure, they're, they can compete at any tournament they want. Uh, but I'll always tell them, you know, hey, if you have the option, I, I would prefer that you compete at the uh, Arizona Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu League. Because of the way that they're run, the quality, um, the professionalism, the organization, um, and, and the referees. I know that, you know, referees make mistakes, um, and there might always be a bad call here and there. Uh, but the referees are black belts.
0: Um,
1: and in my opinion, I think that's the way it should be, you know, um, uh, Brown and black belt competitors, people who know the rules, people who are consistently, um, either, um, taking the rule seminars or who are competitors who are constantly up to date with the rules in jiu-jitsu, you know? And, you know, if, if referee makes a mistake, he makes a mistake. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, at the end of the world, and I think, as coaches, it's our job to you know remind our students too that like your worth is not defined by the tournament result. you know, whether you won or you lost, you're not a better person because of it. You're not a worse person because of it. Just because you lost doesn't mean that your jiu jitsu is horrible. you know, and just because you won doesn't mean you're the best person in the world. You know what I'm saying? like it's it's a uh, um, uh, too much emphasis can come from the tournaments, you know, so as, I, I think as coaches, it's good to kind of remind them that, you know, yeah, referees make mistakes you know and, and that's something out of our control but we can get back in the gym we can be uh, thankful for the opportunity to compete and uh, keep working hard you know
0: awesome well I don't want to take up too much of your time today we've been going for a little over an hour and I definitely want to have you back on um, get Jake on it too so we can all three talk about some yeah of the- yeah as long as you just have seen and tons of other stuff that that we've been able to experience together over the years so is there any any sponsors you want to thank or any shout-outs you want to give uh, before we wrap it up?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I'd uh I'd really like to thank my uh my sponsors. Uh I already spoke about them a little bit, but Dante Moak with of Performance, again, my biggest supporter um and one of my closest friends. Um, so he he uh um has definitely made me the athlete that I am today. So very grateful for Dante Moak, um, my Gee sponsor, Control Industries. Um Clean Juice Anthem here, who provides all my uh, kind of like nutritional juices, fresh squeezed juices, um, acai bowls, um, control physical therapy um, with Greg McClarty, who helps take care of all my injuries. That guy uh, is the best in the business. So if anybody has injuries, you need to go see Greg for sure. Um, And then uh, uh, Sport Cryo in uh, North Phoenix. Uh, They do all my cryotherapy um, and recovery. Um, and, and yeah, I'd say the, the last thing is just, uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do what I do without my wife, without, uh, her support. You know, she, she doesn't get a lot of the credit that she deserves. And, uh, you know, I try and, I try and make it a point to, to make sure that like, I think a lot of times, especially as a head gym owner, people always see me, people see me as the head of the gym a lot. Um, but a lot of people don't know that she was the one that pushed me to open the gym. She was the one who encouraged me and supported me when I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe I was ready to open a gym. I didn't believe I was ready to take the next step in my career. I didn't believe, you know, whatever it might be, but she supported me. She pushed me, um, and she never gave up on me. And, uh, um, I don't want to get, uh, emotional, you know, but, uh, but I'm she, emotional. <laughs> she, she is, she's an amazing person and I couldn't do what I do without her. She is my, uh, she's my biggest supporter for sure. And, uh, you know, um, I'm grateful for everything she does, you know, from, from to the business to, you know, she's raising our kids and, uh, um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm nothing without her for sure. And, and, uh, and the rest of my team of, of coaches at the
0: gym, you know? So, um, uh, thanks for having me on, man. It's been, it's been great. And, yeah, uh, for sure. We'll definitely do it again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I just want to say like, I, from the outside looking in, I mean, I've been to your gym, of course, um, trained there a couple of times. Can't wait to come back, but yeah, just Kanani and your other coaches, Ryan, like your whole, your whole team, I think is a huge part of what makes your gym special. Like they're all really hardworking, really smart people. So it's awesome. Till next time. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. This was episode 105 of the Open Guard Cast, and we will see all you guys soon. Take care.